Well, good morning again, church. It is good to be in the house of the Lord with God's people. Amen? There is no better place to be, and it is my privilege to be able to share with you this morning from God's Word. And today is a special day. It's because it's graduation Sunday, and we are going to take time out of our service to honor our graduates today. We want to um, congratulate them on their hard work, all of their achievements. Uh, they're about to enter this new chapter, and it's an exciting chapter in their life, and we want to support them and pray for them this morning. A little bit of a echo there. I don't want to be too loud. It's going to get loud up in here. Just preparing you. Um, for the majority of your life, for our graduates, your parents, your grandparents, and those around you have helped you in making choices in your life and supporting you and encouraging you. And now it's time to take your hard work and the investments of those around you who have put investment into you and for you to go out and stand on your own. And starting something new can be often overwhelming and intimidating. But as you enter into this next chapter into your life, I want to encourage you to make one thing your priority. For you to have this singular focus in your life. No matter where you are, where you go, or what you end up doing for your career, or the relationships that you might form along the way, whatever is next, God is calling you to one thing. And that is to know Christ and to make him known in this world. And there is no greater calling for the life of a believer. Amen? And I want to encourage you this morning. You have been given everything you need to succeed and live a godly life. You have Jesus. And he's given you his Holy Spirit. And for all of us here this morning who might be in a situation of trying to figure out what is next or how to accomplish what God has called you to do, you have, I want you to know that you have everything that you need in Jesus Christ. And there are three exhortations that I want to give you um, as we look at Paul's church to his, uh, uh, Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. Paul writes to the Philippians to encourage them in their faith. And I want to encourage you this morning in your faith. He was concerned for their progress and wanted to spur them on to continue, con uh, to continue pursuing Christ as their ultimate goal. And so, one of the things I like to do, I want to invite you to stand, and we're going to read through this passage of Scripture, of scripture from Philippians 3, verses 12 through 14. I like to stand so that we can bring our full attention to God's Word. It says this in Philippians 3, Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, you have brought us here this morning to meet with you and to know you in a personal way to know the presence of God in our life. And I pray that we would prepare ourselves to receive you this morning, to receive from your word, to know your voice, and that you would bring transformation in our lives to make us more like Jesus. 
And we pray this in your name, Lord God. Amen. You may be seated. And so in this passage of Scripture, what we see is Paul likes to use metaphors. And he likes, Paul's a big fan of sports. I don't know if you know this, but Paul liked to use sports as a metaphor to explain in his, his writing to the church. And so if you think about sports, if you think about an Olympic athlete, for most of their life, their singular focus is winning the gold, winning the prize, finishing first in the race. And so throughout their life, they will think of nothing else. They will not stop. They will not stop training. They will not stop putting their focus on that one thing of winning, of, complete, of competing and finishing the race that they have set before them. And Paul is using this as an illustration to explain what it means to follow Jesus in the Christian life. In this passage, he describes the Christian life as a race and the end and the prize being his complete focus. Paul begins with explaining where he is in the race, his relationship with Jesus. And he's saying that he is a work in progress. We are all a work in progress, amen? None of us have arrived in perfection yet. Jesus promises that we will someday be perfect in his presence, but today we have to be honest that we are not perfect. He has not attained the perfection that he wants to. He's not where he wants to be. But one thing he says in this first part of the passage is Christ has made Paul his own. He belongs to Christ. I am not perfect, but I have been made perfect because of Christ. Paul had a singular focus for his life. It was nothing less than living out the call of knowing and following Jesus. If we look back at the previous verses, verses 10 through 11, he says this, that I may know him, talking about Jesus, and the power of his resurrection, and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. It was Paul's aim in his life to know Christ in a personal way and to pursue holiness, to become like him in his death and in his resurrection. And if we look back, continuing in verse 12, he says, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Paul knew that he wasn't perfect. He still had sin in his life that he was dealing with, and he was still going to be there until Christ's return to make all things new. Paul was not here that, was not there yet, and we are not there yet. There are still areas of our life that need transformation, areas that don't look like Christ. And we have to give an honest evaluation of where we are in our journey. The church in Philippi thought themselves to be spiritually mature, but their standard was wrong. It's because their standard was each other. They kept looking at one another and saying, I'm not like them, so I must be in a good standing for Christ. I'm not messing up over here. I'm not making these bad choices. Therefore, I'm where I want to be in my Christian walk. And I have to tell you, that standard is wrong. Our standard is not one another. Our standard is Jesus. For he is the only one who is perfect. He is the only one who is holy. And church, we fall into that same trap. And we need to stop comparing ourselves to one another. See, church, we have to keep growing. This first part, this first exhortation I want to give you is we have to keep growing. We have to keep pursuing Christ. We can't get complacent. We can't get comfortable where we are at. Second Corinthians 10, Paul writes, Do not dare to classify or compare yourselves with some who commend themselves. 
when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. The standard is Christ alone, and he is perfect. And Paul was stating here that he is not satisfied where he is at. And we should not be satisfied where we are. He was content but not satisfied. He wanted more. His goal was to make Christ his aim and to have the work of Christ on the cross accomplished and manifested in his life. He wanted to see the power that raised Christ from the dead be manifested in his own life. It was only through Christ in him that he could attain perfection. Romans 8, 28 through 29 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For God, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. God's aim is for us to be made like Jesus, and it is the call for every Christian to be more like Christ, to bear his image. We should be making progress towards holiness. Amen? That should be our aim. A.W. Tozer says in his book, A Disruptive Faith, the Bible specifically commands us to follow holiness. It is to be our constant ambition. One way to advance in this pursuit of holiness is to accept chastisement and work with God as God works in us. What that means is we need to be willing to say, we are not where we need to be. I am imperfect. I keep making mistakes, and I need God to do a work in me in order to attain where he wants me to be, to become holy as he is holy. It requires God working in us, and we have to be vulnerable. We have to be honest about where we are at. Paul wanted to be more like Christ today, not just someday. He wanted to experience that now, that same power that raised Christ from the dead. And he knew that becoming a mature believer, becoming holy as Christ was holy, wasn't going to happen through the law. It wasn't going to happen through good works. There's nothing that we can do that can make us acceptable before God. There is no good work. It is only in Jesus. And in verse 12, he says, I'm not there yet, but Christ has made me his own. He belonged to Christ, and he wanted to live that way. Are we living in a way that says that we belong to Jesus? Are we living, church, in a way that says to the world that we belong to Jesus? But let's get practical here. We're kind of talking about this lofty idea of holiness and becoming more like Christ. How do we strive to be more like Christ in our daily walk with him? How do we become mature in our relationship with Christ? How do we keep growing? There's a few ways that we can do that. Number one is our time. We have to be honest that we waste a lot of time in our day and age focusing on things that don't really bring us joy or either they rob us of our joy. And time is so important because what you put into a relationship is what you're going to get out of that relationship. Um, just as an example, uh, we really like our pediatrician that we take Samuel to. And from the very beginning, when we took him in to get checked out, all that stuff after he was born, our pediatrician would then sit us down and be like, all right, let's talk about you two for a second. We're like, okay. We're getting a little bit more than uh, what we thought here. He said, how are y'all doing? How's your marriage? How are you guys working through being parents? Are you spending time together? Because as a couple, 
for you all to have a healthy relationship, you have to set aside that time with one another or else you guys are going to become conflicted. You guys are going to struggle. And so you have to have that time. And that's the same thing with our relationship with God. Friends, if we are not spending time in God's presence, how do we know what God is calling us to do? If we're not spending time in God pres- in his presence and hearing his voice and communing with him, how do we know what is the right thing for us to do? We have to be willing to give God our time so that we can experience his continual presence in our life. The other thing is we have to read his word. God's word is truth, and it feeds our minds and hearts if we let it. I had a friend in Bible college that would always come by my dorm, and he would always ask me, hey, did you read your Bible today? Have you been in the word? He would do this over and over. He'd come by and say, like, hey, did you read your Bible? Have you been in God's word today? And I have to tell you, it was the most annoying thing in the world. Friends, get yourself a friend like that. Or better yet, be a friend like that. That spurs one another on to read God's word, to be in God's presence, and to feed your souls with what matters. God's word, it gives us a glimpse into who God is, and it's it leads us to where God wants us to go and helps us to grow in knowledge and in worship of him. The other thing is worship. Worship is such an important part of the believer's life and it's a part of our everyday walking with him. We don't just worship on Sundays. God deserves all the praise and all the glory every day and every day after that, amen? We need to make worship a part of our daily life. For me, I start every morning, I, I love music. Music is a huge part of my life, but I always start every day with worship music because if I, don't re- or if I don't focus on Jesus in the morning, my day is just, it's focused on other things. It becomes busyness. It becomes all the cares of this world. But if I focus on Jesus, if I re- or reorient my life around who he is, it brings my life into focus in light of who he is. So we have to make worship a part of our everyday life. The other thing is healthy community. Church, we need to be surrounded by those who are spurring each other on to love and good deeds, and we need to surround ourselves with people who are pursuing Christ and pursuing holiness. When we surround ourselves with people who are divisive constantly, who are struggling then it's going to be hard for us to continue to grow. So we need to surround ourselves with people who are constantly pursuing Christ together. And the other thing is we need to turn away from worldly pursuits. We need to turn away from things that do not bring God glory, the love of money, approval of people, of man. We need to stop pursuing things that rob us of our joy and that are temporary in this world. First John says, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the, the desires of the eyes and pride of life, it is not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. That doesn't mean that you're not supposed to love the world that God created and the people that are in it. What it is saying is we need to choose what is eternal and, that, and not what is temporary. We need to choose the things of God to produce in us a holiness that is unlike anything that we've ever seen. The other thing is, if you want to grow in Christ, 
it also requires us to love each other well. Are you loving your brothers and sisters, your neighbors, your friends, your co-workers? Are you loving them well? Are you living a life of kindness and compassion and forgiveness? I love Andrew's message last week. He talked about the kindness of speech. Our words matter and how we treat people matters. And when we show people kindness, the same kindness that God has shown us in his son Jesus, we will see fruit happen in our life and in the lives of people around us. Ephesians 4, Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Be someone that draws people together in unity, that loves them well. 1 John 4 says, Beloved, let us love one another For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love God, whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. If we want to know that Christ is in us, let us love one another. Paul knew that his relationship with Jesus was a process. Even though that someday he he would become perfect in his presence, he needed to keep growing Church, we need to keep growing because following Jesus is a lifelong pursuit. Let's continue on in verse 13. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. He has not acquired what he, he has not gotten to where he wanted. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. We have to keep growing, but another thing we need to do is we need to keep moving forward. For our graduates, you are moving into a new chapter. What you have done before, it's done, it's past. You can't go back and you can't change it. But as you enter into this new chapter in your life, the goal is still the same, to follow Jesus and to become more like him in your life. We can't live in the past. A lot of times we do this, we get content with where we were at. The church in Philippi was too content with their past achievements. And they were spiritually content. And Paul was like, no, you need to keep going. You need to keep growing. Um, Our president, um, John Stumbo, when he was uh, about to become the president uh, for the Christian and Missionary Alliance for our denomination, he asked him what he thought about the church today. And he said, if I could describe the church, we've got our foot on the gas pedal and our eyes in the rearview mirror. Oftentimes, we get complacent because we look at our past spiritual achievements and we think our best days are behind us. And Paul is saying, no, your best days are ahead of you because your goal is Jesus Christ. Your aim is at Jesus Christ. It's not behind you, it's ahead of you. The past few years, I've undergone a lot of change in my life. I've gone from being single to being married to being a parent all within a very short amount of time. And with each new chapter, it required a new level of maturity and more dependence on Jesus as my source of strength. Whatever next stage God is moving you in, it's going to require faith. And we sometimes live in fear of the unknown. We ask ourselves, will my faith be strong enough? Will I fail? We've all had those thoughts. 
And we can become immobilized by that. And sometimes we can become stagnant because of the fear of the unknown or not knowing what is the right direction to go. It causes us to pause, to dig our heels in, and we get stuck. And that's usually when the negativity starts to creep in because we don't see the forward motion in our life. We start listening to, well, you're not where you're supposed to be. You must be doing something wrong. I'm not living up. And you start comparing yourself to everyone around you. Everyone else is doing well. I'm not. I don't know what to do. I'm stuck. And that's usually when the enemy likes to take a hold in our life. So what do you do when that happens, when you feel stuck and you don't, you're afraid of what's coming next? You don't know the right direction to take. I want to encourage you to surround yourself with healthy community. Godly people who will love you, who will support you, and who will encourage you and will speak truth into your life. One thing I tell people when they're looking for a church, other than come to First Alliance, obviously, but when people are looking for a church, there's one thing I tell them to look for. Whether your church is big or whether it's small, whether it has great music or simple, uh, just a piano, organ, any of that stuff, it does, none of that stuff matters. The one thing to look for is look for people who will love on you, who will care for you, who will speak into your life. There were times in my life where I became stagnant in my walk with the Lord. I didn't know what the future held. I didn't know what was the right thing to do. And it was the church, specifically this church, that people prayed for me and encouraged me that no matter what the future held, God was going to be there. We need to be a church like that for people and for one another. Because that's the only way we are going to move forward together and help us realize the call of God in our life. When we keep moving forward, facing whatever life brings, stepping up to new challenges and new opportunities, we find that God is with us and his grace is sufficient. Hindsight is twenty twenty. When I look back over my, especially my 20s, I see so many ways that God was sustaining me and he was preparing me for what was coming next. And we don't realize that at the time and that's why we need godly people around us to help us see that what we cannot and God's never going to give you more grace than you need for the situation. So to experience more of his grace in your life and his presence, you have to step out into the unknown of the future. And for our, our graduates, you may be excited about what's coming next, but I have to tell you, there's going to be some challenges that you're going to face. Whether you're trying to find a new job, trying to figure out a place to live, especially with what's going on today, there's a lot of challenges or if you're taking on a new ministry, all of these things requires faith. Stepping out, going forward in your life requires trusting that Jesus is with you and he is preparing you for what is next. And what we have to stand on is this, that just as God has brought you through your previous season of life and he was present up until this moment, he will be there in the new ones after that. That is our promise. We have to keep moving forward. We have to keep growing and keep moving forward. And let's continue on in verse 14. It says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call, the heavenward call in Christ Jesus. We have to keep growing. We have to keep moving forward. And the third thing is, we have to keep our focus on Christ. 
He is our focus. He is our aim. He is our ultimate goal. We have to remember why he saved you. It was because of his love for you and to make you like him, to make you holy. To have Christ the focus of our life is the primary pursuit of our life, to know him and to make him known in the world around us. It's what we do everywhere we go, where we live, where we work, where we play. We live this first goal in this continuing call, to know him in every area of our life, to know him in a personal relationship. God is not distant. He is not distant. He is present with us, and he is personal, and he is close, and he speaks to us through his word. We know Jesus through our relationships with one another, to love because he first loved us. We do not love out of our own ability to do it. We love through the love that Jesus has poured into our lives through his work on the cross. So it's not about us. It's all about him. The love we show is a response and an outpouring of the love that he has shown us. We also know him in a personal way in our jobs, in our working, because no matter what your job is, doesn't matter whether you're a garbage man, a teacher, a lawyer, a doctor, doesn't matter, or a pastor, doesn't matter. We do it in a way that honors him, that brings him glory. It does not matter what you do, but why you do it and how you do it. The why is for his glory to bring glory to Jesus, to reflect his character in all that you do. The how is with the abilities that God has given you to accomplish his mission. He has given everything you need, and we need to work those things out in your life. There's an old hymn. I don't know if some of you all remember this, but it says, everything in Jesus, and in Jesus, everything. We wrap our lives around Jesus. He is our focus. And all of life is a response to his upward call. Imagine as all of us who are young and who are older, we spend our entire lives responding to this continual call to come closer and to know him more deeply and intimate and to glorify him with our lives. That is our goal. That is our call. For the young, we hear the call early on and we enter a life of response, going where he has called us to do and living a life of love to the world. And for those of us who are older, the call continues. It doesn't end. We renew it day after day. We recommit to it. It doesn't matter what stage of life you are in today. We are all called to serve Christ and to make him known. And at the end of our lives, the call will be our last breath. We hear the voice of God, the voice of Jesus calling us home. And he says, come into my presence. And this was Paul's greatest longing, to be face to face with Jesus. That, he said, for me to live as Christ and to die is gain, because he knows that when this life is over, he will have attained his ultimate goal to be in the presence of Jesus. And he made that his lifelong pursuit. It is one continuous call that deserves our best effort and our complete commitment. I want to invite the worship team to come back up as we close our time together. So the three things that we mentioned this morning that I want to encourage you all as we pursue Christ with our lives, the first thing is we have to keep growing. 
cultivating our relationship with Jesus through spiritual disciplines and developing that Christ-centered life, making him the center of all we do, but allowing him to continue his work in us. It is all about the work of Jesus in us. Philippians 1.6, Paul says at the beginning of his letter to this church, he says that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Jesus has promised that he will never leave you, he will never forsake you, he will continue to work in our lives as we surrender ourselves to him. It is all about his work. So we have to keep growing and pursuing him. The next thing is we have to keep moving forward, church. We have to keep acting in faith. If we stop acting in faith, we are gonna stop seeing the church move. We're not gonna go where Christ is going, where Christ is moving. And if we wanna be a church that follows the call of God, that sees people come to faith in Jesus, that sees uh, the sight to the blind, that sees the lost found, to see the broken healed, we have to act in faith. And we have to keep moving forward. We cannot become complacent. When we do that, we stop seeing God work among us. We need to trust that he is present no matter where he takes us and that we are doing his work. And the third thing is we have to keep our focus on Christ. He is our everything. He is the one who saved us. He is the object of our worship. He deserves all the praise, all the glory. And he is our source of joy and hope in this world, amen. There is no one greater than Christ. Colossians 3, Paul says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. You belong to Jesus. Let that be your focus. And so, in conclusion, what does this mean for us today, church? Answer the call of Christ. Don't lag, don't shrink back, don't hesitate, just say yes, I am in. I will follow Christ with my entire life, to live my life, to experience all that he has for me, to pursue him with all my heart, and to live a life that doesn't look back, but embraces the future in Christ. Let's accept that call today. As Paul said, let's press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray together.